seven, Stan Phillips. fans happy hump day happy wednesday and it is a happy hump day wednesday especially when we beat our rivals down the turnpike the philadelphia phillies well with jacob de out who replaced him in rotation tyler mcgill and to be honest with you tyler may be pitching as well as jacob de would have been pitching and what a relief that is for all us met fans is it not Yes, we, Tyler McGill had a big hand with his start in pitching a 2 nothing shutout, combined shutout against the Phillies. And the Mets now improved to 4-2 four, four and two on the young season. Now, it was a classic matchup. McGill against Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, a Met legend, uh, making his first start of the year. Uh, his first competitive appearance against another major league ball club. Uh, he's been injured and a little cautious about returning him back. But they were locked in a pitching duel early. And with JT Real Muto's first inning double serving as the only hit between the two sides through the first three innings, it was a classic. Now the Mets loaded the bases in the first inning after a pair of hit batters. But a Robbie Cano strikeout ended the early threat. Now, we are making his first start of the season after shoulder soreness hampered him in spring training, held the Mets scoreless through four. But he stayed in for the fifth inning. And he got the first two batters pretty quickly. And they even mentioned on the broadcast that if he had thrown a few more pitches that inning, he probably wouldn't have pitched Brandon Nimmo. But he did because he retired the first two batters on, I think, one pitch each. And Nimmo tagged him for a solo home run to give the Mets a one nothing lead. That ended Wheeler's night as he allowed that one earned run over four and one-third innings, throwing 65 pitches. Good effort by Zach, but one pitch mistake cost him the game. Now, coming off five scoreless innings in his opening day start, McGill was outstanding once again on Tuesday. He pitched into the sixth inning, but after allowing a leadoff single to Johan Camargo and a sack bunt to move him into scoring position, the right-hander's night came to a close. Buck Showalter went to Chase and Shreve to deal with the lefties at the top of the Phillies lineup, and he retired Kyle Schwarber and Ria Muto in order to end the inning. With a final line of five and a third innings, three hits, five strikeouts, and no walks, McGill, check out these stats, has now started his season with 10 and one-third scoreless innings, allowing just six hits while striking out 11 with no walks. Can't get much better than that. Now, Stowing Morte and Francisco Endor combined to bring home the Mets' second run of the game in the top of the eighth inning. After Morte reached on a fielder's choice, he stole his first base this season, then came around to score on a Endor single up the middle. A night after the Mets' bullpen couldn't hold on to a four-run lead, and it's probably one of the worst defeats the Mets will have all season. D. 
They did a great job holding the Phillies down on Tuesday. Shreve and Drew Smith had scoreless outings to pave the way for Edwin Diaz in their ninth. With a 2-0 lead, Diaz making his return from the bereavement list allowed a couple of runners to reach, but he struck out Reese Hopkins to end the game. So a nice win. After two little bit disheartening losses on uh, Sunday and Monday, it really was a nice win for us. Now in the game yesterday, James McCann really called a good game. He brought out the best of Miguel, uh, Drew Smith, and Edwin Diaz. Uh, he really had the Phillies off their stride most of the night. And uh, he got it ha handed to McCann. He really does know how to call a good ball game. And uh, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He had a little bit of a tough year offensively, but he is a good pitch caller. And he kept calling for change-ups and key spots from McGill. Uh, now, of course, when you're digging against McGill, you're looking for that heater. And when a change-up comes, it makes it so much more effective. And same thing with Drew Smith. Drew Smith was throwing the ball hard, but he, when he used his change-up and cutter to set up outs with the fastball. So McCann knows now how to mix it up. And not even Edwin Diaz... Uh, McCann kept putting the slider down uh, as the next pitch to throw on many occasions in Diaz's uh, appearance yesterday. And he was going to do it until he got it right. So you could see that the pitchers have a lot of faith in McCann. They do trust him. And uh, I like old school catchers like that who know how to call a good ball game. Uh, because as good as the Met pitchers are, if you don't have a catcher who can know what to throw and when to throw it, it's going to be a little bit of a setback for you. And uh, McCann knows how to play that chess game. And uh, ability like that makes me think McCann at one point may become a good manager. Now, isn't it funny how all the good managers in baseball half the time are uh, former catchers? McCann could be one of those guys, I think. But with Diaz, you always have to be careful because one mistake and boom, it could be out of the ballpark. So when he hangs a slider, it can be dangerous. But Diaz had it yesterday. So there was no second guessing Edwin Diaz or the pitch calling. But you could see that McCann had a feel for the game. And that is so, so good to see. Uh, so after six games, we have to be pretty impressed with this Met ball club. Uh, considering we lost one of those games on a bullpen by committee because Buck doesn't want to wear out the pitching staff, uh, things are looking good. Uh, McGill has been the big surprise. He might even be the ace of the rotation so far. So uh, things are looking good. I guess you got to give some of this credit to Jeremy Hefner. Uh, he is... Uh, Guiding these pitchers along. And Hef was the one guy they kept uh, during this whole transition stage with the coaching staff. So uh, hats off to Hef. And if Hef can actually make sure Diaz can pitch like Diaz can, then Hef deserves a double bonus at the end of the year. But again, it's great to see Brandon Nimmo swinging that bat. Uh, he had a rough couple. He wasn't himself the first couple games, striking out a lot. 
And he wasn't around for opening day when neck stiffness uh, forced Buck to actually sideline Nimmo. Nimmo did try to play. He tried to get into the lineup, but Buck wouldn't have any of it. Uh, but in the last five games since opening day, he's shown why his bat is waiting for. Not only is he one of the best batters as far as patience and working a pitcher, and he has great on-base percentage, even if he's not hitting. Last night, he recorded a pair of hits in three of the contest. But the biggest hit arrived at CBP, as we like to call it, Citizens Bank Park, in which he uh, had the game winning RBI. That one that leapt off his bat and left the field of Citizens Bank. Now, Nimmo does have power, and that's always good to see. It's not his forte, but it's good to know that if you make a mistake to Brandon, he may jack it out of the ballpark. And to get it against Zach Wheeler at a time when Zach looked like he was zipping through the fifth inning and the Phillies were going to get exactly what they wanted from Zach, uh, it was nice to see. So, Nimmo and Wheeler, they're pretty good friends. And that goes all the way back to their rookie ball time within the Met organization. So they've known each other for a long, long time. Uh, so it must be a little, little feeling of satisfaction for Brandon to get that big home run. And uh, even Nimmo knows that to beat Wheeler is a big accomplishment because Wheeler is even a bit, a bit of, not only has he pitched well, since he's left the Mets, he's been a thorn in the Mets' side. He's always pitched well against the Mets. Uh, so now Nimmo is now 8 for 28 with a homer and two doubles off his former teammate. And we'll take that because Zach is one of the best pitchers in the game. Now, is Nimmo one of the best hitters on the team this year so far? He Quietly, you have to say yes. He went 1 for 3 with a walk, and he kept his batting average at 333. And like I said, he's that rare piece of a player who does some of everything, including playing an excellent center fielder. Center field, I should say. And the only drawback to his game is the injury bug that creeps up. So let's keep our fingers crossed that Brendan can stay healthy all year. His neck is feeling better when each long ball he adds to the ledger. He will boost a potential contract that should come after the season when Nemo can be a free agent. Now we all know who his agent is. Yep. The big kahuna. Mr. Boris. So it's going to be interesting at the end of the season when Cohen and Boris uh, have to match wits. But that's where you are for now. And uh, let's enjoy everything that Nimmo's doing. Uh, as Nimmo goes, I always say, the Mets go. Just as I said, Jacob DeGrom goes, the Mets go. But we've really replaced that gap. And you never really placed the gap. I shouldn't say that. But with McGill and everything else, things are looking good. Now, what else is looking good? Trevor may avoid the injured list. He has a very low-grade tricep strain. He'll need a couple days of rest, uh, but he managed to avoid the injury list after it was revealed that he had that low-grade tricep strain. He walked off the mound with the trainer Monday in obvious discomfort. And uh, I said, oh, my God, this could be like maybe even an ending season-ending injury. Uh, but the worst is not... What happened? Uh, May has been prescribed anti-inflammatories. And though May wasn't utilized for more than one inning at a time last season, 
He wants to be ready for any situation that arises. He doesn't want to be a pigeonhole, the one-inning pitcher. And he knows that if it comes October, that stuff goes out the window, whether you like it or not. He's not going to set any limits on itself. Uh, he'll do whatever the team needs, and that is so good to see. And what was good to see is Edwin Diaz returning. Uh, unfortunately, he had to go on bereavement leave, and he was available from the bullpen. The right-hander missed previous three games following the passing of his grandfather in Puerto Rico. Taiwan Walker's placement on a 10-day injured list cleared roster space for Diaz. So unfortunately, it took Walker's uh, going on the DL to make room for Diaz, but it could have been anybody else. But yeah, unfortunately, Taiwan's going to be on the DL. Uh, and how about this? Buck Showalter said he is hoping to attend the unveiling of the Seaver statue outside City Field before Friday's home opener. Showalter recalled his interactions with Seaver in 92-93. At the time, Showalter had just started his major league managerial career with the Yankees, and Seaver was a team broadcaster. The one thing Showalter always remembered was his laugh. He had a great laugh. Day games, he would come into the office, get some black coffee, and get going. He would sit there, but never sat there and talked about himself much. He treated me well at a time that he didn't have to. So that is so good to see. That Buck and Tom, two brilliant baseball minds, got along pretty, pretty well. Now, the Mets uh, have their day-to-day. Uh, Max Scherzer's going on the mound, day game today. Uh, they are planning a voluntary workout at City Field, I guess, just to get used to their old ballpark. Uh, but Showalter emphasized many players are busy moving into new residents, so he understands if attendance is scat. Uh, I took two of my veteran Players and made sure they spread the word that this is a true voluntary workout, Showalter said. If I had never been to City Field, I would come in that day. So Buck's leaving it up to the players, and you got to love a manager who does that. But first, before they had that voluntary workout, uh, we get to watch Big Max in a few hours. Now, his first Mets start as a Met. Uh, brought closure. His second one could open an old wound. Uh, Scherzer made his team debut against the club he helped lead to the 2019 World Series championship and then brought him face-to-face with former teammates and fans at National Park. His follow-up will put him up against Joe Girardi on Wednesday after the two had a confrontation last season. The baseball gods should have better things to do than maximize the drama surrounding Scherzer, but apparently not. Last June 22nd, shortly after the league empowered umpires to check pitchers for foreign substances that would allow a better grip on the ball, Scherzer was checked three times in the first four innings of the game in Philadelphia. Upon the third time, Scherzer was clearly frustrated, especially because Girardi had requested the inspection because the Philly manager said he saw Scherzer run his hand through his hair. Now, Girardi told Reporters afterwards, that was a suspicious act that he had not witnessed in the past. And the former Yankee manager was trying to bother Scherzer. It was working. The national star walked off the mound following the fifth inning. He stared down Girardi and taunted him with his hat and glove. Girardi began yelling back and walked towards Scherzer and was ejected. Scherzer saw Girardi again last season at Citizens Bank Park in an incident-free August 10th start. But Scherzer and Mets debut was any indication Perhaps drama follows him. And you like that about Scherzer. He not only performs, but he 
he causes sparks everywhere he goes, and that's cool. I like that in baseball. Now, Friday, Scherzer statistically was okay in Washington. He had six innings pitched, three runs allowed, but he pitched through several stoppages in play, including the dugouts and bullpens clearing fight after uh, Francisco Indoor became the second Met batter, struck around the head by a pitch in two days. After the fireworks, uh, Scherzer restored order with a couple clean, quick innings, but Buck Walter wasn't surprised. You don't do the things... Sure, you don't do the things he's done without having the ability to answer a moment, so to speak, Showalter said about uh, Maxi. Scherzer was a world champion, and uh, he has three Cy Youngs under his belt, and he has been able to rise to the occasion. That includes several NLE showdowns against the Phillies. Now check out Max's record against the Phillies. It's 14-4 with a 2.50 ERA in his career. He'll have to be in guard uh, pitching against Bryce, Har Bryce Harper. Harper has taken Scherzer yard, and he's 3-for-12 lifetime against uh, Max. So that's going to be a fun, fun watch today. Uh, and hopefully Max comes through. And his day off is going to help too because uh, coming up on Thursday with Taiwan Walker going down, like I said, he landed on the IL Tuesday afternoon with right shoulder bursitis. He left his start against the Phillies on Monday night following the second inning. It's unclear who will take Walker's spot in rotation. Although David Peterson took over for Walker against the Phillies and threw four shutout innings in long relief. While it's uncertain how long Walker will be out, he wrote on Twitter Tuesday afternoon, everything is all good. So this may be a question of just missing one or two starts. Uh, DeGrom is already on the IL dealing with a shoulder issue. And uh, like I said, the good news is Trevor May avoided the IL. So that's something we really did want to see. And that's about it on uh, the current Met news. So we got a big game today. Mad Max on the mound against Aaron Noah. Does it get any better than that? Does it get any better than Met baseball this year? Does it get any better than having baseball back? I'm loving it. Now it's once again time to note Met birthdays and Met transactions. On this date in 1941, John Stevenson was born. On this date in 1970, pitcher Ricardo Rincon was born in 1970. And on this date in 1987, uh, Jeremy Barnes was born. So happy birthday to those three former Mets. Wishing them all well. Uh, in the transaction front, on this date in 2009, the Mets released Marlon Anderson. And on this date in 2011, the Mets granted free agency to Blaine Boyer. And on this date in 2013, the Toronto Blue Jays claimed Aaron Laffey on waivers on this date in 2013. So... It's time for our Mets Jeopardy and Trivia question. And every day they can be found in the baseball group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. So if you're not a member of that group, please do join. We'd be glad to have you. Uh, great folks in that group every day. So uh, please do check us out. Uh, and if you're not a member of this podcast, but when I say member, if you don't subscribe, uh, please do subscribe. We do one every day, and you'll be alerted when one is up. 
And if you ever need to reach me, maybe you have a beef with me and what I say on these podcasts, or you just want to add some commentary and make suggestions, please feel free to contact me at philstan41 at gmail.com. We'd always be glad to hear from you. Now, are you ready? Are you ready for the Jeopardy and Trivia questions of the day? I hope you are. Because they're about to hit you. Now the trivia question for today is. Who retired having recorded 35 wins against the Mets? The most of any pitcher. And today's Jeopardy. Two clues as always. Led the Mets in hits with 125 in 2004. And was traded by the New York Mets to Colorado Rockies. In exchange for Eli Marrero on June 9th. 2006. So there's your two clues for Jeopardy, and you got the trivia question. So lock in your answers, and we'll be back later on to talk about it. Now, what's going on in the greatest Mets baseball group there is, New York Mets baseball way of life? Well, let's talk about it. On this day in 1962, we talked about how, on a wintry day, the Mets played their first home game ever when only 12,000 fans showed up at the polo grounds to see the return of National League Baseball to the Big Apple. On Friday, April 13th, the Pirates scored a decisive run on two eighth-inning wild pitches thrown by Ron DeVault, beating the Mets' expansion team 4-3. Then on this date, some more opening day blues. Uh, Now, it wasn't opening day, but it was a heartbreaker nonetheless. On this day, 1983, the Phillies, trailing by five runs, entering the ninth inning, beat the Mets 10-9 when Bo Diaz, remember Bo? I always liked Bo in the Phillies. Uh, hits a walk-off bases loaded home run. The Philadelphia catcher's ultimate grand slam, which, by the way, uh, is a home run that wins a game when a team is down by three runs in the bottom of the final frame, is tossed by Neil Allen, who faces only the last batter. Now, on this date in 2013, Matt Harvey was in Fuego. He took a no-hitter into the seventh inning until the Twins' Justin Morneau hit a homer that clanks against the right field foul pole at target field with two outs. Harvey has the longest outing of his career, giving up only two hits in eight innings in the Mets' 4-2 win. The Mets have seven consecutive hits in the fifth inning to score all their runs. So those are some of the things that happen on this date in Met history. Uh, and as always, we always have good stuff. We revealed what the Mets opening plans are for opening day. So check it out in the group. We'll tell you what and he got the lowdown for opening day. Uh, we commemorated the occasion of Lee Mazzilli's big all-star home run in 1979. That was fun. Oh, and let's not forget in 2009... The Padres beat the Mets 6-5 in the first game to be played at City Field in New York on this date. The first batter of the game, Jody Garot, he broke in the stadium in grand style. He had a home run off Mike Pelfrey, the big Pelf, as the Padres jumped to an early 5-1 lead. The Mets did tie it on a three-run homer by David Smith. That was David Smith. David Wright, and that was some shot. But the winning run scored when Louis Rodriguez reaches on a three-base error by right fielder Ryan Church and crosses the plate when Pedro Feliciano, of all things, committed a balk. Then we had a picture of, uh, remember the old several zippers outside of Shea Stadium 
That brought back some memories. But again, Mike Scott came to post. Tony James came through with some nice posts. And uh, we have some great people. Ralph Tycho, Hilda. Now, I always get her name wrong here. Borea Kukukonkase Moero. If you can say that five times real fast, you become a gold member of the group. Let's say you become a gold member of the group. So there you go. That's all the things that are happening in the uh, baseball group, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. So if you're a member, check us out again today. And if you're not, then please, please do join. Now here we go with the answers for the trivia and the Jeopardy. Who's ready? Do we have people who are ready? Okay, we do. Good. That's what I want to say. The trivia question was, who retired having recorded 35 wins against the Mets, the most of any pitcher? Well, the correct answer is Greg Maddox. Congrats to our good friend John Tierney on being the first to submit the correct answer. The Jeopardy clues for today? Two clues. Led the Mets in hits with 125 in 2004 and was traded by the Mets to Colorado Rockies in exchange for E.Y. Marrero on June 9, 2006. The correct response to Jeopardy is, who is Kaz Matsui? Congrats to John Tierney on being the first to submit the correct response. Good job, guys. Uh, we'll be back with more Jeopardy and Trivia tomorrow. We'll be back to talk about this classic matchup that's going to take place in the early afternoon today. Uh, the rubber game match at Citizens Bank Park. Zach Wheeler against Aaron Nola. Should be a dandy. We'll be here to talk about it tomorrow, so check back in tomorrow. Enjoy the day. Uh, nice day in the New York area. So uh, let's play ball and let's go Mets. Talk soon, guys. Take care. Right up and greet the Mets.